It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to another exciting edition of The Thought Police. Here we are, uh, still in lockdown. Looks like we're going to be here for a while. Uh, Matt Kelly is in his country retreat. I'm still busy at the cold face of journalism, such as it is. Matt, a very good uh, <laughs> afternoon to you. Hello, mate. How you doing? Yeah, well, I'm all right. You know, um, with every passing day, um, you sort of get more used to it. But I find now that my reactions are changing slightly because... I had a bit of a sort of... I had a couple of sort of down moments at the weekend, which I haven't had before. Um, are you still... Right, just to, to, so I'm clear, are you still at home and the kids are still in... Yes. ...away in the countryside? Yeah. Wow. So and you that, haven't seen your kids for weeks then? So I haven't seen them for uh, nearly four weeks. I mean, I've seen them on, on the screen and I've seen them on my phone and my computer and I've talked to them a lot, but... But my yeah. oldest son, um, the 15-year-old, just said on Sunday, it sucks that you're not here. Yeah. And that just no, kind of got to me. Well, because... mate, I had a very similar experience to that once. I used to work in Argentina a lot. Yeah. Uh, and it meant doing like two or three weeks away at a time. Mm. And I remember coming back once, and my eldest, who would have been about 11 at the time, I yeah. turned around in the car, and he was crying because uh, I just told him that I was I had to go back right. two days later. Uh-huh. And I just, you know, we think that kids... Uh, you know, they're oblivious to us. Yes. But my God, they really do miss that stability mm. when we're not there. They do. And I, and that's what, what what got to me because, you know, I'm I'm fine, basically. I'm a big boy. I can look after myself. You know, I can find enough bottles of wine to drink myself into oblivion if I need to, you know. Um, but I suddenly thought, God, poor, you know, poor Oliver because, um, yeah. you know, it's it was Easter Sunday and, you know, normally it's a big thing for us. We'd, we'd, we'd get a roast lamb and we'd sit around and... You know, have a, have a fun afternoon, and the weather yeah. was so nice. We would have probably barbecued, you know, a butterfly lamb or something like that. You know, yeah. and I just suddenly, I just suddenly thought, what the hell are we doing now? You know, but yeah. but then you know, reality sets back in, and you see what's going on at the moment, and you think, well, I'm going to have to keep doing what I'm doing. But I tell you what amazed me on Friday was that um, uh, so many people were out and about, right? And in London itself, the actual traffic in the morning, as I drive in every day was very light. And I thought to myself, if all these people are essential workers, why are they not working on a bank holiday? You know? Yeah. And yeah. so there's a very weird sort of thing going on. And, yes. and, as, and, as, as, and I went to uh, Borough Market uh, uh, on the Saturday, as I normally do. It's very quiet first thing in the morning. 
um, and it's got very good distancing rules, you know, one person in a shop at a time and all that. And I, I went into one store and the guy said, you wouldn't have believed it if you'd been here yesterday. And I know the guy quite well. He said, you know, there was really a lot of people here and none of them were in any way adhering to the rules. They were all pressing Maybe. up against each other. They were queuing right behind each other. They were walking into stores and, you know, in mass numbers. You know, it's just bizarre. Yeah. I mean, I, I get it. I get why people are frustrated. I get why people want to go out, especially in that weather. Yeah. But for Christ's sake, you know, it's like, it's a it's a couple of weeks, it's a few weeks. Yeah. You know, and if you, the numbers that were out uh, in the last few uh, days or so mm. are, are right about actually the true number of people who are dying, yeah. then people have just got to buckle down yeah. and, uh, and and work their way through it. And I, I, I'm so glad, having said all of that, I am so glad that I'm not in London because I can't actually think of anywhere worse to be than yes. in, in the middle of London for something like this right now. No, I think you're absolutely right. And as you've said before, you know, you've, you didn't have much outdoor space there and at least you've now got that, which is fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I'm very happy for, for my kids down where they are in Sussex because they've got yeah. a big garden, they can walk the dog, you know, they can't go to the beach anymore because that's apparently off limits, it's too far away. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, I think, you know, if it wasn't for that, if I wasn't happy that they were happy, do you know what I mean? I would That, that, yeah. would, that would really bother me. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, I was quite staggered in a way this morning that the news was all about care homes because I'm thinking, well, how come nobody thought about care homes before? Because care homes clearly are full of people who are vulnerable. Yeah, and it's I think it's you know again it's it's these sort of fringes of society that you know day to day we don't have to think about, but these people are getting hit and affected more more than anybody else, and they've, they've all got families. You know, yeah. they've all got families. There are a lot of people affected by this, and I do wonder whether. Ultimately, this will come back and haunt uh, Boris Johnson's government because it exposes really the deficiencies, I I think, not just during this crisis, but the way we do sort of sweep old people out of out of the way. Yes. Yeah, no, I think that's absolutely right. But but the care crisis has been coming for a long time because I've been talking about it quite a lot even before this happened, because the way that people have their houses taken off them in order to pay uh, £2,000 a week to a multi-millionaire who's inevitably living abroad, basically, uh, to me, yeah. is, is, a, is a sick way to run anything, you know? I think... It's um, tragic. I, th- I think, you know, but, but, you know, as much as I'm not in favour of, of, of huge government organisations running everything, there has to be a better way. And there has to be a way of people somehow putting more money to, to one side to yeah. pay for their own care. Because I find it quite objectionable um, that what's been going on lately, that these multimillionaires have been demanding free stuff from the government on the grounds that they can make a massive profit uh, on, the, on, the, on their own customers. You know, they want free PPE. Well, why don't they pay for it? Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's, it's got echoes of the banking crisis, yeah. hasn't it? But across many different sectors, you know, yeah. where people have been taking the piss for a long time and been happy uh, getting big, big profits yeah. and keeping shareholders very happy with big dividends. Mm. And now when the, the, the flaw in the business model is revealed, they've got no solution to it. We have to step in and, and, and bail them out. You know? yeah. And there's something fundamentally not right. And I do agree with you that there should be a compulsory uh, kitty you yeah. know, for unexpected. It's like that old Donald Rumsfeld thing, isn't it? You know, there are knowns. Yes, there are unknowns, the known unknowns. Unknowns, unknowns. And we, this is 
we are deep into unknown, unknown territory now. Yes. You know, but to be fair, did... I mean, I, I don't agree with you about um, how the government will be will be kind of looked upon, because I think that, I mean, every single country in the world was taken by surprise. Every single country in the world um, reacted differently. Um, and most countries up until about mid-February thought that it wasn't going to be a big deal. Yeah. You know? Well, I think, I think, uh, I, I think it'll be, um, I mean, Boris, obviously Boris Johnson's now become some sort of, you know, national hero yeah. for having had this personal trauma. And, you know, I'm not being flippant about that. It's that, you know, I spoke to, uh, via text, I spoke to his sister, Rachel, oh, yeah. who, you know, sounded very, very concerned. I yeah. was very grateful for, you know, what a sincere message I'd sent to yeah. him, which was, you know, I hope your brother pulls through this. Yes. And, and, you know, I'm delighted that he has pulled through it. Um, so in terms of his position, I think he will be looked at as, as being having been a good leader during this. But yeah. there was a couple of weeks where I think when people do the post-mortem on all of this, and I don't, don't mean that in a, mm. in a awkward way, but when people look back and they analyse our reaction, then there were two weeks where we really could have said, Look, we can see this coming down the road from right. Italy. We can see what's going mm. to happen. Now is the time for lockdown. But I think for Boris Johnson's uh, government, the situation wasn't so acute here yeah. that people would have automatically bought into it. You know, right. Which is, you do need to bring people with you. Yes, I think so. so. I do, and I yeah. and I did say at the time that that by the time they did lock down the pubs. I remember because it was a, it was a Friday, and I'd been in the last pub that I'd been in on the Tuesday um, because we were funny enough filming Plank of the, or we were due to film Plank of the Week, but it was when yeah. the, U, the News UK building was starting to shut down, and they, and they didn't have the studios available. So the guys that had come in to do it were told, "I'm sorry, we can't do it." So they'd gone for a drink, and I went for a drink, and we were in this pub across the street with hardly anybody in it. And I had a conversation with the bar, uh, the girl behind the bar who said that she was a drama student, but the drama school had shut down and she hoped that this place would stay open. And by the next day, I was already thinking, I don't think I'm going to go back to the pub. I really don't. Yeah. And so by the yeah. time they announced that they were shutting everything, I was ready, you know. Yeah. And I think if yeah. they tried to do it, say, a month earlier, people would have gone, what are you doing? You know, yeah. what do you mean we no. can't go out, you know? No, you're right, you're right. And And, and I've got a situation that, uh, echoes that because we left London. I mean, as listeners will know, we are absolutely very lucky to have this this other place in uh, Norfolk where I work. Uh, in you know, and I come every week for the middle of the week. So I don't. It's not like a holiday home. It's a home I use to work. But I said to my wife, I said, look, you know, this is it, the lockdown is definitely going to come. Um, if if it comes and we're still in London. We can't then just decide to swan off to the countryside, although I have to say there are plenty of people who have done that yeah. and, and are getting a lot of stick. And mm. In fact, you see villages around here where there are signs up saying, second homers, please, please... Um, really? Uh, don't come, you know. Wow. Well, and, I couldn't believe and, it when I saw the stat from, I think it was either Friday or Saturday, that the police in Devon had stopped something like 50 people towing caravans and turned yeah. them around. I mean, what are these people thinking? I mean, they're not, uh, well, you know what? They're just stupid. They're not thinking. I mean, there is, unfortunately, you do Plank of the Week where you have, like, the, the elite of the plank. Yes. You know, the, S, the SAS of plankton. <laughs> but, we must but get you on that, by the way. Now that we're doing it on the phone, we can, we can put, yeah. you on, put you on I'd as a guest. To, I'd love to, but I'd love to. Yeah, well, I'm glad you clarified that. <laughs> <laughs> 
but but beneath that there is a, a sort of groundswell of utter thickness out there at large in society and it's at moments like this mm. when they make themselves felt yes well i have to say um you know the number of cyclists that i now see out on a weekend the number of joggers has it has increased exponentially um yeah. and it seems to be busier when the weather's nicer now that tells me that these people don't have to do that every single day but they obviously yeah. look out the window and go oh it's nice day i'll go for a jog well I just, just don't people people don't think it applies to them do yeah. they? they sort of think well generally i agree with that but you know what harm can it be to yeah. go for a a 10k run around town. Yeah, well, and this you, is why I say to people, you know, who complain about, say, the beaches being closed, right? Um, yeah. Because it's like, well, what harm can you be, be doing if you're walking on the on the beach on your own with a dog? Well, that's not how it works. If you say the beaches are open, everyone will be on the beach. Of course, yeah, of course. So, I mean, but interestingly, talking about the way that everybody reacted to it, BuzzFeed did a an interesting piece at the weekend where they had a guy with two timelines of what happened here and what happened in Germany, basically running side by side. And actually, the, the, the lockdown effects and the, and, the, and, the pre, and the measures that were taken are not that different in timing, you know? I think right. the reason Germany has got a much better result in terms of its um, um, death rate is because they did this kind of tracing and they did this testing and they tried, and they tried really hard to find people who might have been affected. And I think yeah. somehow... That was a better way to do it. But, you know, yeah. if you'd asked me that question six weeks ago, I don't know what's the better way to go. And, and Boris and, and his, and his uh, band can only really go with what they're being advised to do, really. And also, I suppose you could say, you know, without wanting to be too much going into the realms of cliche and stereotypes, but the Germans handled it in a very German yes. way and we handled it in a very British way. Yes. You know, and, I mean, I spoke of... to a mutual friend of ours, Roger Isto, um, the other day, yeah. who's down in Portugal. He's got a place down there. And he and his wife decided to go to Portugal rather than stay here because they live just outside of London, which is quite busy. And they're both, you know, of an age where they certainly wouldn't want to get it. Uh, and he said yeah. in Portugal, because it used to be run by a military hunter not that long ago, you know, if you get told to stay indoors, you don't go out. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. same with Spain. I mean, I saw somebody sent me a... Uh, um, a video of, of what, from one of the, I think one of the Balearic Islands, and it was like a tourist spot, and there was literally nobody on the street, you know, and yeah. the, we panned it all around. And he said, and he's an English guy that lives there. This is what a lockdown looks like, and that doesn't, it does not look like that here. Well, it, I mean, I think when we reflect back, we haven't really had a lockdown, have no, we? because there's, you know, there's been nothing really apart from these odd spot fines that, and the idiots with their caravans. Yeah. So basically, people have been left to their own devices, and that that is to our great credit, I think, that mm. we don't need a gun against our heads to, to do something sensible. But unfortunately, the consequence for that is that we do have to suffer some dickheads. Yeah, we do. Now, normally what we do at this point is we go, right, let's talk about something else. So let's talk about something else because, you know, Good we idea. don't want to drive ourselves mad. What, are you, what have you made of the, uh, <laughs> for me, rather laughable exhibition of the Labour Party eating itself oh. yet again, right, as if oh. nothing important was going on in the world? Suddenly this bloody uh, report gets leaked and they're all at, they're all at each other again. It's fantastic. I mean, I've I've now taken to just to you know my my long running obsession with Owen Jones. <laughs> I've now I now tune in like an episode of EastEnders right. every day, you know, for about half an hour uh-huh. and read the and read the battles and the sort of you know how people must think and why right. Chris Williamson's an awful anti semite right. and I never you know said anything else and all of this and it is. It is, on one level, fantastically entertaining, but it is, I hope, the sort of final vestige of these 
of, of the effects of Corbynism and Keir Starmer's yeah. crowd will slowly, but quicker than slowly, I hope, put things back on a more um, uh, intelligent keel, you know. But obviously what's been going on there is... It's kids' stuff, isn't it? I mean, oh, it's totally. absolute playground stuff. Yeah, and apparently it's all been sort of the people who actually work for the party. It's like the, sort of the apparatchiks yeah. who are all fighting like rats in a sack to try and get yeah. above the next guy when actually there's nowhere to go. It's just sort of, it is literally that whole, you know, two bald men fighting over a comb scenario. Well, ease off the bald men. <laughs> By the way, the number of people who are telling me that you look like the guy from Homeland now um, is extraordinary. Yeah, Yes, well, my beard, I've never grown a beard this long. Right. But I have to say, without being too vain, I think it does sort of add a certain distinguished gravitas. To Very professorial, to, some would say. Yes, I know, which obviously anybody who knows me will, is completely at odds with my intellect and, and mentality. But <laughs> if I can pull it off, if that's well, what a beard can bring, fine. It depends on uh, what your missus says to me, because, I mean, there are, there are women I know um, who either really like beards or really don't like beards. Yeah, well, Nadia, um, because obviously we've been married for a long time, so yeah. there's not that actual much snogging going on. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, well so, come on, you're in a lockdown with her, for God's sake. Pull your finger oh, out. One would, one would have thought, wouldn't one? But anyway, yeah. there we go, each into their own. But um, no, she likes it to look at, I think. I think does she? Um, yeah, she does. What she doesn't like um, is when I crop my hair down to a sort of zero, you know, so I've got this sort of Pep Guardiola yes. bald, bald skinhead thing right. and the beard. It's but, interesting, though. It. Do you not find... I mean, I've never had a beard, right? I once... I, the only time I came close to having a beard was once when I went on a... And this is now going to sound terribly middle class. Went on a sailing holiday in the Caribbean, right, on a 60-foot yacht uh, with my then-wife and five other people, including my sister. And it was brilliant. I mean, we set off from um, uh, St. Lucia, and we went all the way down to sort of what they call the, I think it's the Windward Isles. And you go and you ended yeah. up, we went into Mustique, St. Vincent. Oh, it was fantastic. Oh, it was really beautiful. And we crewed it ourselves as well. Because was the, that massively expensive? Um, it, it, well, it probably was. But because there were six or seven of us, I think we all paid something like, I don't know, maybe two or three grand a person or something like that. Um, yeah. the, the terrifying oh, thing was um, the guy that gave us the boat, and it was a big boat, it was 60-footer, um, with all sorts of cabins and things downstairs. Um, he said, yeah. the thing is, he said, um, whatever you do, don't upset the boat boys. And the boat boys were these little kids who would come out on skiffs wherever you pulled in and yeah. basically try and sell you crap. You know, they're sort of the right. equivalent of kids in Times Square trying to sell you crap. And yeah, he yeah. said, be nice to them, because if you try and be horrible to them, they'll come back in the night and they'll cut your ropes. And, yes. uh, <laughs> and if you get and if that happens to you and the boat uh, hits the rocks, you're not insured. And we were like, yeah. oh, thanks for telling us how much to replace yeah. the boat. And he was like yeah. about one hundred sixty thousand dollars. Oh my <laughs> like, god! Jesus Christ! The, uh, anyway, so we bought so we bought a lot of conch shells, basically. Um, yeah. And uh, <laughs> but we were on this boat, and uh, so I just you, you just didn't shave, you know, because um, it was no point. And by the end of it, it was about I think about seven to ten days we were out there. Um, I came back in, and I had this kind of reddish beard, you know, yeah. which which I didn't even think I had red hair. My mother's got reddish hair. Um, yeah, a lot, a lot of fellas get, get, discover suddenly there's a bit of ginger in the family yeah. when they get a beard. Yeah. yeah, so so that's the first and only time. And the thing that I hated the most was then shaving that off because yeah. it really hurt. And I had to do... Did you find it itchy to start with? I didn't. I, you know, it went through that stage where, you know, it's a bit stubbly. Um, yeah. And then it started to get soft as it got yeah. longer. 
Um, yeah. I mean, it wasn't really a full beard because it was only seven to ten days growth, and I'm not actually on the. I'm facially, I'm not that hairy, um, and uh, I had to. I had to go through about something like um, six razors, just shaving it, shaving it off, yeah. shaving it off, and shaving it off. It was really painful in my skin, and of course, once I shaved it off, I had a white face on underneath. <laughs> Classic so, mistake. So I looked like an idiot. <laughs> Your story is the Beach Boys. Though. What did you call them? The Boat Boys. The Boat Boys, yeah. Boat Boys. That is, there's a Scouse analogy of that, which yeah. is like, and I'm sure it's true of a lot of football grounds. Is this looking after your car stuff? Yeah. So you park your car and uh, a lad runs up and says, mind your car for a pound, mister. Right. And, and the story goes that this fella parks his big new Range Rover outside Anfield right. and his kid... Scally runs up and says, mind your car for a pound, mister. Yeah. And the fella says, points to the back of the car where there's a big Rottweiler. And the fella says, my dog looks after the car. Right. And this kid says, can your dog put out fires? <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> I love that. That is absolutely <laughs> top class. I'll tell you what, though, the streets around Anfield... Um, I yeah. mean, I don't know if, if, if... I mean, I haven't been there for maybe two or three years now, but, yeah. but the streets are still the same, aren't they? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, tiny little um, just little road, road, roads, roads of houses. My mate, uh, his granny used to live there, and whenever we went to the game on a Saturday, we'd call in for a cup of tea right. on Breck Road nearby, and and it was a t- you know it was a tiny, tiny little dwelling, but mm. the com- sense of community yeah. in those streets was fantastic. Yeah, uh, and I think I think that has gone a bit, to be honest, because. There has been some money injected into the neighbourhood. I mean, these things were were close to. I mean, slums is too much, but they were, you know, they were poor, poor yeah, neighbourhoods, yeah. and um, a lot of them got uh, knocked down as Anfield has got expanded. bigger. Yeah, and famously, I think behind the main stand there was a a row of uh, houses, a street of houses that Liverpool wanted to use up the space yeah. to expand the main stand, and there were two old sisters living in one house. And Liverpool had bought every other house in the street, but these sisters wouldn't move, and they were there for about eight years wow. until they died. Right. And, and then they expanded the main stand, but they stuck it out. You know, every Brilliant. Time. But it's, it yeah. is, it's very much like um, the, these, the, the, East, the old East End streets, like parts of Bethel yeah. Green. And even actually yeah. round in Southwark, it's, it's very similar. Where our old studios were in uh, near Waterloo, there's a street yeah. there uh, called Rupel Street, um, and it looks exactly like those streets around Anfield. But the only yeah. difference is they've got sort of slightly bigger gardens in the back. But they're basically workmen's yeah. cottages that were built, I think, for people that worked on the railway. Um, yeah. But they're going for about a million and a half, two million quid now. Well, in Liverpool, you, I don't know if it's still going, but I mean, fairly recently they had a scheme where you could buy a house, one of those houses for a pound, right. as long as you guaranteed that you would invest in it and do it up, you know. Right, so, absolutely. I mean, there's... There's a place in Liverpool called Kensington, uh-huh. which obviously there's a place in London called Kensington. And Liverpool went through a property boom about 15 years ago right. that lasted about five or six years. And it was the fastest growing area of property in mm. the country for a while. And right. there were people buying houses in Kensington in Liverpool, which which is a shithole. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry if anyone lives in Kensington, but you'll know what I mean. It's not. Yeah. I mean, it's certainly not Kensington in near Knightsbridge. No. And they were just thought, Kensington, that must be posh. Right. You know, oh, God. That's yeah. funny. Well, it's funny enough, <laughs> talking about people not moving, there was also the... Um, uh, P, do you know the PJ Clark story from New York? You probably do. Um, yeah. Um, it's that little uh, 
fantastically old school bar and restaurant, um, which is on Third Avenue around about sort of about 50th Street or something like that. Um, And uh, it's the only low rise building in the whole section because that's right in the middle of Midtown. And basically the reason that that that's the case is that people kept offering them loads and loads of money for the air rights to build above them. And they just kept saying, no, they were like, no, we're PJ Clarks. We've been here since the Lost Weekend was filmed in there. You know, the Jimmy Stewart movie. Fantastic. Yeah, um, and they've got and, and they've got black and white sort of diamond um, uh, uh, floor tiles. You know, they've got waiters walking around with the big white tablecloths around them. They've got black, they've got red and white um, tablecloths in the back, uh, and they do a hamburger, which is you have to be seen to be believed. It's just amazing, right? I had lunch there, funnily enough, with Richard Wallace when he was over yeah. there for uh, for the mirror. Um, and yeah. we we spent many a happy time. And he's got the, the barmen are quite grumpy, but it's just a classic old New York bar. And nobody yeah. has ever managed to get them to sell the air rights. And they've offered them millions for them, and they're like, no, we're not doing it. That's fantastic because the air rights are what defines a lot of the architecture, isn't it? Yes. In New York, it's yeah. why so many of the skyscrapers sort of step back as they go higher. Yes, it's because they they've got to allow a certain proportion of sunlight to get down onto the. The neighbouring, um, the neighbouring plots. Yes, well, a lot of them also. If you look carefully at some of the buildings, they've got fewer windows than you would think they should have. And the reason for that is that, and the reason I know this is because a guy that I was in a golf club with in in uh, Westchester County went to jail for it. Was uh, they used to charge a, a window tax? You know, like the uh, the, the union um, that was basically in charge of all building work in in New York, the Teamsters, right? run by the mafia um and this guy that i used to play golf with funnily enough uh, one day and it was one of those clubs where it was everybody was always up there the same saturday and i said to one of these uh, italian american guys i said where's so-and-so where his name was oh yeah he's uh, he's inside i said what <laughs> he's inside because I mean, the thing about yeah. golf clubs in, in america right is there's about three kinds of golf clubs there's a sort of irish catholic golf clubs uh, which are yeah. full of irish catholics and italians there's the Jewish yeah. clubs, which are obviously full of Jewish people. Then there's the Wasp clubs, which are the sort of the, yeah. you know, the Kennedy types, you know, even though they're yeah. Catholic. But, you know, the very, the sort of very posh kind of, um, you know, Ivy what League it? types. White Anglo-Saxon Protestants, isn't it? White yeah. Anglo-Saxon Protestant, yeah. So I was, of course, drawn immediately to the Irish, uh, the Irish one, because that's, that was where we had the most drink, basically. Um, <laughs> but there was loads of guys in there who were in the mob, you know, and you knew they were. They would greet each other on the first tee with a, with a hug and a kiss. You know, yeah. <laughs> it was amazing. And then this guy came back out of prison. He didn't go in for very long, but he basically got done for corruption because if you yeah. were trying to put up a building, they would say, how many windows are you going to have? And they charge yeah. literally by the window. So it'd be something like 100 bucks per window, which would run into the millions. And it was a backhander. They could only be paid in cash. You know, couldn't put it through the books, but that was what they did. When this guy came out of jail about a year later, um, and we were all sitting around and we, they had those kind of spotlights in the ceiling in the bar, and we were sitting around this table all having a drink. And they all drink shorts, you know, they're all drinking like vodka, gin, you know, no, no beer or wine or anything for these guys. And this one, the, the guy who just came out of prison was kind of sitting under one of these lights. And uh, one of the other guys said, hey, it looks like he's fucking sitting with the FBI again. <laughs> and they all just fell about laughing. And I was kind of going, this is just too bizarre for words, you know. God, it's strange, isn't it, when you, when you get into uh, something that is you know, a, a little clique of its own with yeah. its own rules. Yeah. I remember being taken to um, to a Rangers match in Glasgow oh, yeah. right, by a friend of the Daily Record. Mm. And and then we went to a bar in, uh, I think it was in Dumbarton Road oh, in yeah. Glasgow's West End. Yeah. And 
it was called the Manhattan Bar, and mm-hmm. it was a notorious um, kind of Ulster Defence Regiment right. sort of place. You know, it was like right. real hardcore Protestant, uh, Catholic-hating mm. place. And I'm obviously Catholic. Right. And we all had a few beers. And I, because I'm thick and scouse, I just sort of shoot my mouth off and tend to <laughs> disarm, disarm people right. with my blatant honesty. Right. And somebody said... Are you are you are you a Catholic? Are you a Teague? Did they say a Teague? Are you a Teague? You a Teague? Yeah. And um, and I must have said yes. And then this guy got very serious very quickly and said, "I'm going to cut you up, you Fenian f pig." Oh God! I know. And and and, and then for a, mo- a moment, you know, I thought, "Oh shit, I'm really in trouble here." But, yeah. And then everyone burst out laughing. Right. <laughs> look at the. Well, uh, that could have gone the... either way, though, as Boris Johnson would say, yeah. right? But I mean, interesting yeah. that because you remember Alistair McQueen, who used to work for the Mirror. Yeah. I mean, he yeah. was a mad Rangers uh, guy and a mad Protestant uh, supporter. And he, yeah. I once went to um, a cup final, I think, um, between Rangers and Celtic, with him and Gordon Hay uh, and a couple of other people. Um, and some of the stuff they were coming out with, I was I was quite shocked. I mean, you know, I've yeah. now since lived having lived up there, I now know the difference. You know, but yeah. I was going, this is really horrible. I mean, you, I mean, oh, no. they're actually really bigoted about players and and people who yeah. are playing for Celtic. It was just awful. Oh yeah, no, really, there, there was a fella called Jim Workman who was the news editor of the Daily Record, mm. a little fella, and. So he was my boss when I first started, yeah. and he used to call me Tim all the time, which I didn't know. But is, is another is another one for Tague, Yeah, it's another it's another derogatory term for uh, Catholic. Yeah, and I used to I they they must have thought I was a right plank because every time he called me Tim, I'd say, "Oh no, Jim, my name's Matt." Yeah, <laughs> and because I, I just thought he'd forgotten my name. Yeah, until somebody until somebody said. Why do you let him talk to you like that? And but then, it's like, it's, it's like anything, like... you know, when you walk into these places uh, and or, um, you know, um, situations where people think completely differently to you and you kind of go, yeah. you just didn't think like that. So it didn't, didn't occur yeah. to you, you know? It's like when yeah. I used to go to parts of the south of the United States um, when I first moved there and I got my first job in Florida and I was really excited because I was thinking a little bit of Florida in my life is going to be really cool. And I was going to West yeah. Palm Beach, which I knew was this kind of playground of the rich and famous. I thought this is going to be amazing. Um, and I got there and uh, I had to go to Western Union to pick up some money where, coincidentally, not only can you pick up cash, but they'll also sell you a gun in the same shop. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, the guy that drives me there, the cab driver, asked him to wait. They didn't have a hire car at the time. Asked him to wait outside. Um, and when we were driving back to the hotel... Uh, he said, you see those tracks over there? And I said, um, oh, yeah. The, the, he said, that's what they used to call the other side of the tracks. And then he oh. used he used the N-word, and he said, I preferred it when they stayed over there. Oh, my God. And I was like, what? Yeah. And I, was, I know you've said this to me before, that, you know, when you get into a situation like that, you, you, you sometimes just want to get out of the cab. But I couldn't because I was like, I didn't know where I was really. Um, yeah, and I just didn't, and I just didn't say anything. You know, I just was yeah. like so shocked that, and this would have yeah. been about 1985 or something like that, wow. that people still thought like that. Wow. Well, I remember Brian Reed, who's a good friend of both yeah. of us, and I worked with in Liverpool for a long time, and uh, and I remember he's got an uncle down in the south who's a clan member, basically. I think really, and he and he, saw, and he went to, I can't remember the specifics of it, but he told me about him going to. A, uh, a restaurant with this uncle and something was said and it was like 
full-on kind of clan talk and try and go, oh, my God, you know, these people really do exist. Yeah, I know. It's quite frightening, quite bizarre. Incredible. Well, listen, I think we've come to the end um, of yet another podcast. Tell me one thing, Mike. What's going to happen with the Premier League? I know it's not the biggest concern for anybody but what well, it is, is it's right a big, well i think it, i think it is a big concern for a lot of people actually i think you're quite right to raise it well i mean i'm not in for this whole idea this ridiculous i think it's a ridiculous idea to play all the matches uh in these kind of um confined spaces where all the teams go they don't travel around the country i mean it's sort of you know scientific advice designed by idiots you know because you can't tell me that by playing football you are in some way practicing safe distancing right <laughs> One no. and no. two. I don't understand. I mean, I I go with. Um, I think it was LeBron James in uh, in California who said, "If there's no crowd, I ain't playing." You know, I don't yeah, think. I don't think. Did, yeah. I don't think he sh- you should play football behind closed doors. I don't want to watch football. There's no crowd action going on. What would be the point? No. I agree. It's very weird. But I mean, if they if they can't finish the season, surely they've got to give the Premiership to Liverpool, haven't they? No, absolutely not. No, I can't have that. <laughs> <laughs> if for no other reason that Liverpool fans will be driven insane and it will be hilarious. Now, I think I think the best thing they can do is finish the season whenever they can. So whenever they yeah. can get people back into a football stadium, even if it's September, yeah. you know, yeah. why why not just finish this? It hasn't got that long to go, right? It was probably only about six yeah. weeks or something. Yeah, but what? then but then there's the next season knock on and anyway, anyway. Yeah, but I think what they could then do, right, is they could say... We finish that season. Uh, say we start in uh, in August as normal. So by yeah. the say the end of September, you're done, right? Start the right. new season six weeks late and take six yeah. weeks off it. And have no. Um, you could you do without the winter break this time. Right? Yeah, you take take yeah. out the winter break. Take make it six. Or cancel weeks. the league cup or something like that. Yeah, you can cancel. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, there are definitely ways of doing it, but I wouldn't like to see it being played um, with behind closed doors, and I wouldn't like to see this idiotic idea of them all playing not even in their own stadiums. You know. No, I agree with that. I agree. But who knows? All right, mate. Listen, good Listen. to talk to you, um, and have a good week, and we'll yeah. see you next week. I couldn't believe it when I saw the stats from, I think it was either Friday or Saturday, that the police in Devon had stopped something like 50 people towing caravans and turned yeah. them around. I mean, what are these people thinking? I mean, they're not, well, you know what? They're just stupid. They're not thinking. I mean, there is, unfortunately, you do Plank of the Week where you have like the, the elite of the plank. Yes. You know, the, S, the SAS of Plankton. <laughs> but, we must but get you on that, by the way. Now that we're doing it on the phone, we can we can put you on put you on I'd as a guest. To, to, but I'd love to. Yeah, well, I'm glad you clarified that. <laughs> <laughs> but but beneath that, there is a, a sort of groundswell of utter thickness out there at large in society, and it's at moments like this mm. when they make themselves felt. Yes. Well, I have to say, um, you know, the number of cyclists that I now see out on a weekend, the number of joggers has has increased exponentially. Um, yeah. And it seems to be busier when the weather's nicer. Now, we, that tells me that these people don't have to do that every single day. But they obviously yeah. look out the window and go, oh, it's a nice day, I'll go for a jog. Well, just, just don't. People, people don't think it applies to them, do yeah. they? They sort of think, well, generally I agree with that, but you know, what harm can it be to yeah. go for a, a 10k run around town? We were all sitting around and we, they had those kind of spotlights in the ceiling in the bar. And we were sitting around this table all having a drink. And they all drink shorts, you know, they're all drinking like vodka, gin, you know, no, no beer or wine or anything for these guys. And this one, the guy who just came out of prison was kind of sitting under one of these lights and uh, 
one of the other guys said, hey, it looks like he's fucking sitting with the FBI again. <laughs> and they all just fell about laughing. He said in Portugal, because it used to be run by a military hunter not that long ago, you know, if you get told to stay indoors, you don't go out. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. 